We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. And welcome back, wrestling fans, episode 528 of the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jason Bryant, back on U.S. soil for the first time, and it seems like, I don't know, forever. Today, I'm talking Super 32. We've got the 20th anniversary of the Super 32 coming up October 11th and 12th in Greensboro, North Carolina. More information on that at Super32.com. In the past, I've had Dave Barker and Sarah Koenig on the show to talk about it. Well... It's just so tight right now. I'm not going to try to week of get them on and talk about some of the things that we've we've discussed in past episodes. We've got a bunch of those, actually probably three or four, uh, maybe two or three. I don't even know how many episodes we've done in the past about the Super 32 with Dave and Sarah. So this year, I'm going to go back and look at it from my perspective, what I remember over the past 20 years of the Super 32 Challenge. Before we get to that, I'd like to thank our newest team members, and their contributions to the Matt Talk Podcast Network, Omi Acosta. You might know him. He's the head coach at Life University in Georgia. James Calhoun and Robert Thomas, the newest team members. They will be getting some shout-outs like they're getting now. That's one of the perks of patronage. If you can go to matttalkonline.com slash join the team, that is our Patreon page. You can contribute as little as one or as much as to whatever you want per month for this network and knowing that it provides all sorts of exclusive, on-demand, developmental, oh, I don't know, historical, archivey type stuff. The Daily Newsletter, the Short Time Wrestling Podcast, the National Wrestling Hall of Fame Legends Program. All of your contributions monthly go to developing those series, including new series that are coming out. The Oldest Sport will be coming out. We'll also be doing a few other things, as we did the Countdown to Nurse Sultan with Track Wrestling. That practiced the serialized portion of it, or the countdown type of show, 100 to, to 1. That was something that, again, your contributions helped provide the time to do that. So if you like what I'm doing here at the Matt Talk Podcast Network, hey, hit up matttalkonline.com slash join the team, or if you want to make a one-time donation, you can go to matttalkonline.com slash contribute. This is your first time listening to the show. Yes, I'm hitting you with a pitch. You haven't even gotten five minutes into the show yet, and I'm hitting you up. Well, Take your time. If you like what you hear, you can do that later on. MattTalkOnline.com slash join the team. 
That's really uh, the the quick housekeeping. I just want to say that, uh, yeah, still going through the home renovations. The Speakeasy Studio will be built hopefully by December. I mean, it's we started in July. The demo went through August. Now we are in October. We've got a bathroom down there. Uh, sheetrock is supposed to go up at some point today. It is October 8th in the year of our Lord Gable. Uh, I'm just kidding. I just, oh, that's, that's one I'm going to have to edit out. No, I'm going to let it go. I'm just kidding. Wrestling Lord Gable, come on. You know, that's it's the Blood Round guys say that. So I, I copied it. And uh, speaking of Blood Round, screw you, Kevin Claunch. You beat me in fantasy football this week. As my wide receiver totals 1.8 points, Sammy Watkins and whoever the hell else I had starting, 1.8 points. Really? Hashtag nobody cares about your fantasy team. Actually, matter of fact, nobody cares about mine. Uh, you certainly don't. Anyway. What we have on the Super 32 is my perspective over the last 20 years as we started the Super 32 Challenge in 2000, and now we're coming up, Greensboro Coliseum, the complex, it's sweet tea, it's Bojangles, it's sleeping with noodles, it's all, I mean, like the, the, the swim noodles. Anyway, here's the story, and I'm sticking to it. About 3,500 words were seven pages typed up in Microsoft Word. This is the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. All sorts of changes coming up to this show. As the wrestling season is here, short-time shots will be coming back. Short-time stories will be developed. Who knows what we're going to do? It's going to be a bunch of different things. There's a lot of interview shows out there in the podcast, and I'm going to shift it up and change it up and keep evolving this medium within the sport of wrestling. That's all I got for you right now. I'd like to thank you for spending your time with me because, yeah, as I've said again and again and again, you've always got time for a short time. The Super 32 Challenge celebrates its 20th year, the 20th anniversary of the most absolutely incredible preseason wrestling tournament on the planet. Yes, on the planet, especially since it's it's us, we're Americans, we get to determine what the best in the world is. I mean, you've got world champions in, in the NFL and the, in the Major League Baseball, and you know there's only one non-American team in Major League Baseball, and they're in Toronto, which is you know, pretty much a suburb of Michigan, isn't it? With apologies to my friends in Canada. All right, so how does this thing work out for me? Well, let's find out. I'm going to try to do this on one take. And yes, this is something I actually did script out. Not something I typically do, but you know what? When you got all this stuff, you can't just uh, throw things together at the last minute. So on a roll, we've already heard the swoosh. I've already given you the pitch. Here's the story. Back in 2000, I was still in college at Old Dominion, and I was working on tracking down results from any and all high school tournaments after attending my first USA Wrestling Cadet and Junior Nationals the summer prior. I started covering more off-season stuff with the first iteration of Matt Talk Online. That was a Virginia... Well, it was all Virginia. That's what it was. Matt Talk Online started in Virginia. This involved fall folk-style tournaments from USA and AAU and spring freestyle and paying attention to out-of-state tournaments where Virginia teams and individuals participated. One of those tournaments popped up in 2000, my fourth year in college at ODU, and not my senior year, but my fourth year running Matt Talk Online. It's called the Super 32 Challenge. I noticed it that fall when a local wrestler in the coverage area of the newspaper I was working at, the Daily Press, won it at 119 pounds. His name was George Dodson. He was an Eagle Scout from Denby High School, and he never made the state tournament in Virginia at Group AAA. This is before we had this god-awful six-class, seven-class system. Then I saw Drake Dickinson's name. Now, Drake wrestled at Magna Vista in southwest Virginia, and that was a double-A high school. This I went to a double-A high school in Pocosin, so I know, knew the name. Drake then transferred across the state line to wrestle for Dave Barker at Eden Moorhead. That's how this story begins for me. 
This list is a look back at things that make me go, oh, wow. It's not designed to be an all-inclusive list of some of the great things. Like there are, there are several people that you could point out like, oh, wow, that guy didn't place. Well, these are just things that I look through a bracket. I'm like, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. I mean, quite literally, you can spend a month analyzing 20 years of Super 32 brackets and all the great names that didn't place and all the names that you don't even remember now that were like superstars then. That's going to be, eh, I'm not going to focus a whole lot on, on, on burnouts and fizzle outs and washouts and guys that just had enough wrestling. I mean, or people got hurt, you know, the focus of this is, is, is who was there and, and what happened. So back in 2005 to 2008, I ran Intermat for the NWCA, which then owned the site. I did the high school rankings. I did the college rankings. I did every single result in the country. This is before Facebook, before Twitter. This was the hard stuff. That big board that Willie's got. Yeah, we did the top 200 with no, hardly any online results. Track wrestling wasn't even a thing yet. GIMP software was about it, and then PC tournaments. So anyway, my knowledge from the high school area and the high school landscape at that time was pretty good. Prior to 2005, I worked and lived in Virginia, so that's where the lion's share of that knowledge exists from those years. So in 2000, the very first champion of the Super 32 came at 101.1 pounds, and it was host Moorhead's Chris Moore, defeating future Virginia four-time state champion Matt Epperly of Christiansburg, Virginia. Epperly went on to wrestle at Virginia Tech and qualified for the NCAA Division I championships twice. Uh, Epperly wasn't yet in high school at this time. Current UNC Pembroke head coach Othello O.T. Johnson claimed the title at 163 pounds, beating Chris Ward of James Madison High School in Virginia. One time in Fargo, uh, Ward got out after curfew, and that was not good for him. Team Virginia coach Ben Summerlin ran him outside until he puked. Statute of limitations is over. It's been 20 years. So, yeah, anyway. In 2001, Dave Barker cites this as a turning point in the tournament's second year. Virginia powerhouse Great Bridge shows up and crowns four champions. Darren Burns, who later wrestled at UNC Greensboro, was third at 190 pounds. He got better. In 2002, the word is out. The Super 32 is now challenging the Lock Haven Fall Classic as the top preseason event on the East Coast. And the event is starting to gain traction nationally. A middle school division is added. Ashton Primus from Connellsville, Pennsylvania, comes down and cross-face cradles his way to a title. Future Division Three All-American Donnie Uton of Great Bridge wins at 140, while future Old Dominion All-American Chris Brown wins at 145. In 2003, we've got nationally ranked wrestlers hitting one another before the finals. Eric Hoffman, a future NJCAA national champion from Iowa Central and D1 national qualifier at North Dakota State, comes out of Iowa where he falls in the finals to Dusty McKinney at 125. You remember McKinney? He was winning everything. He was like the stud from Carolina in that era. He wrestled at George Mason for a hot minute. A pair of future two-time D1 All-Americans meet in the finals at 103 where Tyler Nauman of Middletown, Pennsylvania, beats 8th grader Scotty Sentes of Riverside, Florida 6-2. Primus wins another title, this time up at 135. And yes, more cradles. Future Missouri All-American Raymond Jordan of Newburn, North Carolina, defeats future Limestone Division II national champion Dan Scanlon of Loudoun County, Virginia, 4-1 in the finals at 171. There are scores of future Division I wrestlers who don't place. Moving to 2004, where Ashton Primus wins his third straight Super 32, Hammer champions include... Well, let's, let's be honest, they were all pretty much hammers. At 112, Ian Moser of Delaware beat Walker Faison of Virginia in a bout with two of the best lightweights in the country... New Jersey brought a strong group from Boundbrook as Nick Murray and Andrew Flanagan won titles. Top-ranked wrestlers Patrick Bond of Great Bridge, Cody Gardner of Christiansburg, and Kenny Lester of Oviedo, Florida swept through the top three weights. 
2005, Brandon Florida's talented crop of hammers comes in, led by Eric Grahalis at 103 pounds. Grahalis best Steve Mitch of Ohio 7-0 in the finals. Among the names at 103 were Matt Snyder and Nick Bedleyan of Pennsylvania. Shout out to the van and the late Wayne Danger. Eric Dunnett of New Jersey, Zeke Hofer of Colorado, Joey Laser of Georgia, and Andrew Williams of Virginia. No, I'm not going to load up all these brackets because this is where the podcast would get significantly larger. United World Wrestling Media guy, Eric Olanowski, is also in this bracket. 112 pounds in North Carolina's Brandon Davis emerges as the champion, but we didn't hear really much of him after that in college. Uh, current Huntington College head wrestling coach Matt Oliver beat Marshall Peppelman in the semifinals and then fell to Davis in the final. Anyone remember Ryan Fields from Ohio? Yup, he was the champ at 119, beating future D1 All-American Walter Pepperman in the finals. Future All-American Gerard Garnett of Virginia Tech, who's from Delaware, does in place. 13-seed Abby Rush, a future Boston U wrestler from West Virginia, stormed into the finals, beating future All-American Peter Yates of Georgia and past champ Ian Moser. He falls to Mike Robinson of Lewistown, Pennsylvania, who later on in the year would hand Mike Gray of Del Barton, New Jersey, his very first high school loss to the Beast of the East. Robinson was technically the number 42 seed at the Super 32 and won it. He was unseated at the Beast of the East when he fell to Kellen Russell in the finals. Tyler Nowman beat Peter Yates in the blood round. Yikes! Bishop Lynch from Texas came out and brought some studs like Luke Silver and Luke Ashmore. Both of them won titles. Christiansburg's Andrew Clement won 10 matches, although two were forfeits, to claim third at 140 pounds. And when I say that, he, he, he lost early and won 10 all on the backside. Nick Nelson, a future All-American at the University of Virginia, stopped Ashton Primus from his fourth title with a fall in the finals at 145. Nelson had earlier beaten Bubba Jenkins of Cox High School in Virginia Beach, who was fresh off the football field, and then beat Matt Cathell of Delaware and Brian Tracy of Paulsboro, New Jersey, in the semis. John Reeder of Davidson, Michigan, had four pins and a major to reach the finals against Matt Epperly, who wrestled in this tournament 37 times. Reader won 4-1. to one. Future NCAA champion Dustin Kilgore was third, losing by fall in the quarters to eventual champion Tommy Spellman of New Jersey. Spellman beat Reynolds' Lawrence Beckman in the finals. Yes, of the Reynolds Beckmans, not the Reynolds Dawsons. Uh, wow, a Titanic reference. I had to be shot. Hey, you know what? If I do this every year, it'll be longer than the three-hour final show I put on from the Asian Championships. So let's just look at the final for 2006 at the numbers. Nine Division I All-Americans. Of them, there was two-time champion David Taylor from Graham, Ohio. You also have Division II champion Tommy Abbott of Delaware, two-time NJCAA and NAIA All-American Jameel Jones, also of Delaware. The head-to-heads of note, we saw Pennsylvania's Troy Dolan beat Gerard Garnett of Delaware. Man, Delaware had a good crop in this area. Colin Dozier of Virginia over Tyler Nauman of Pennsylvania. Dustin Kilgore of Ohio beat Jordan Blanton of Illinois in a battle of future three-time All-Americans. Jameel Jones beat future NCAA finalist Chris Honeycutt of St. Edwards at 189. New York's Kyle Dake wrestling at 112. Lost to Virginia's Michael Garofalo and Georgia's Joey Laser and finished in at 7th, 8th place. Olenowski won this bracket, by the way, at 112. At 119, returning champion Brandon Davis of North Carolina fell in at 7 8 Basically, they didn't wrestle the 7th and 8th place match. You just got to the blood round, and that was, okay, you're top 8, and then they didn't actually wrestle that match yet. Among champion Frank Pirelli's victims, a guy named Creed, Levi Strauss, into the jeans, Scotty Sentes, and Josh Kindig. That was just to reach the finals. Okay, the first two were really more for name effect, but his finals opponent, Gabriel Espinosa of Florida, beat Travis Coffey of North Carolina, Nick Bedleyan, and Eric Grahalis to reach the finals. 
Nick Nelson repeated, winning at 145 pounds with a 5-3 win over Tommy Abbott. Future Division Three champion Vincent Renault was ousted in the blood round by future Buffalo Bull John Martin Can at 152. Scott Winston beat Ben Bennett in the semis at 160. Jordan Blanton beat Cam Simas in the semis before falling to Kilgore in the finals. Moving to 2007, which was the second to last year I attended, because when you move away from the East Coast, getting back to North Kakalaki ain't so easy. First, the final stat. 71 All-Americans, one three-time D1 champ, and a Greco-Roman world teamer, that being Max Nowry. At 125, Eric Grahalis beat Pennsylvania's Jordan Oliver 1-0. Colin Palmer of Ohio beat Kenny Quartz of Pennsylvania 4-2 at 135. Future All-Americans to fall were Walter Peppelman, who lost to Tony Jamison of Ohio, and Ed Ruth, who lost to Michigan's Jacob Berge 5-4 at 171. Anthony Clinton of North Carolina won by injury default over Virginia's Max Huntley, who hadn't yet transferred to Blair Academy. Now for the fun stuff. A.J. Schott beat Devin Carter for third at 103. Jeremy Sandoval of Texas beat Tony Ramos for fifth at 125. Garnett beat Kendig for third at 130. Marshall Peppelman beat R.J. Pena of Oregon for third at 140. Future All-American from the Citadel, Odie Delaney. Yeah, fifth at 215. Other what-the-heck stats include Max Nowry beating A.J. Schopp in the semis, Grahalis beating Ramos 8-0 in the semis, future Cornell backup and stud tournament entry, open tournament beast, Joe Stanzione beating Joey Laser. There's some weird tie-in with Dake there if you can figure it out and do the math. Colin Palmer over Taylor Mass in the semis, sightings of C.J. Napier of Kansas, Carson Fields of Georgia at 135, another Kansan, Alden Eisenberg finishing second to Trevor Meldy of New Jersey at 140, and the aforementioned freewheeling Tony Jamison of Ohio. Whew. Future four-time NAIA champion Brock Gutchess of Oregon, defeating future Division Three All-American Emmanuel Agabaje of New Jersey in the Constellation Semis at 145. You know, I really never figured out how to say his name, although he was at Delaware Valley for 300 years. Joe Booth made his national breakout performance at 152 pounds. My friend Nate Shy still can't stand him because of a fantasy wrestling draft pick. He must have picked Joe Booth for six straight years, because I think Joe Booth did get six years. He even told him on Facebook that he was a disappointment to his fantasy team. Eric Cubberly of Ohio beat Scotty Winston of New Jersey in the finals at 160. Ed Ruth beat Jordan Blanton in the semifinals, and this is before Ruth ever went to Blair. Jacob Berg's semifinal opponent, future Division Three All-American Conlon Lenhart of Gloucester, Virginia. Yes, you've heard that name before. There are 14 freaking Lenharts. Most of them wrestled at Johnson & Wales. Shout out Lonnie Morris. It's not just a cooking school. I know there's at least two Ed Roos, Edward and Edmund. That's where my research ends. If it wasn't a copyright violation, the entire background for the rest of this episode would be playing MC Hammer on repeat. Because stop. Hammer time! Here comes a hammer! Oh, 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 oh! Here comes a hammer! Dun, dun. Let's make it! Yeah, anyway, that's lame. And so is my karaoke. Moving to 2008, Alex Cisneros has something to sell for you. He's a California hammer. He wins at 103. Devin Carter wins at 112. Zach Nybert takes it at 130, while a beefed-up David Taylor wins at 135 after winning two years earlier at 103. Andrew Alton mauls Taylor Mass at 140. And how about 119, where David Klingsheim of California and Frank Goodwin of Maryland finish 1-2. But the other place winners of note in the bracket, Camden Eppert, All-American, was third. AJ Shop, All-American, was fifth. Alan Waters, All-American, was sixth. Tyler Cox, All-American, was seventh. And Mitchell Port was All-American, eighth. And Klingsheim and Goodman were 1-2 at this weight. Future Greco-Roman world teamers were also in the mix as Ellis Coleman was third at 135, beating Josh Jeva. Kaylor Williams was fifth at 189, and future Virginia Tech All-American Chris Penny was seventh, freaking seventh at 215. None of the guys in front of him placed in D1. Nick McDermott did wrestle for Michigan State. Uh, he finished third. 
Now we get to 2009, the 10-year anniversary of the Super 32. And now we feel old because the 103-pound champion, Joey Dance, was a freshman in high school. Again, he's now coaching at the college level. That 103, Dance beat Freddie Rodriguez. Remember him? Yeah. Triple crown winner? Yeah. Beat him in the finals while future NCAA finalists George DiCamillo, Zeke Moisey, and Zane Rutherford also placed. Rutherford was eighth, losing to Moisey in seventh and eighth. They started wrestling him by then. By the way, Zane made the finals in, in college three more times. Yeah, winning it for Penn State. You're well aware of that. A trio of guys who wrestled for my alma mater, Old Dominion, Jerome Robinson, Chris McCotty, and Tristan Warner, <laughs> they won three titles, 112, 119, and 171. Frank Cagnina of New Jersey, Queen of Peace. I think that uh, I think that school's closed, so may it rest in peace. Uh, beat Jason Sertis at 130. Nick Wisdowski was third at 189. Get this, losing to Timmy McCall from North Carolina, who wrestled at Wisconsin, who's now training in Raleigh at the Wolfpack Wrestling Club. McCall would later fall in the blood round to some guy I can't remember. Timmy's biceps were still huge then. Moving to 2010. We haven't fun yet. Hey, let's start at 103. Since that's one of those controversial topics in high school wrestling today, and they use the Super 32, is like, look at the 3,000 kids entered at the weight. The lowest weight should be this. Well, we've got a pair of future NCAA champions meeting in the finals. Darian Cruz of Pennsylvania top Nathan Tomasello of Ohio. Oh, hey, we've got more NCAA champions beating in the finals at 112 as Anthony Ashnault of New Jersey beats Zane Rutherford of Pennsylvania. Two more NCAA runners-up were in the weight classes. DeCamillo was fourth and Moisey was eighth. All-Americans meet at 119 as Nathan Kreiser of Maryland beats Joey Dance of Virginia. Earl Hall was third there at the weight. 135 was pretty stout. All-American Dan Neff of PA was second. Four-time D3 All-American Bobby Dierna was fourth. All-American Anthony Parati of New Jersey was sixth. Division II All-American Brent Fickle, the son of Wrestling USA's Dan Fickle, was seventh. At 145, James Green was second to Nick Hodgkins of Pennsylvania. You know what? As great as the Super 32 is, the action probably does center around things below what was 152. There are some ways we'll focus on that are a little higher, but there's just so many solid guys that, that are playing football during the the fall so it's kind of tough i believe like the lower half of the brackets here are worth triple the price of admission so many studs scattered d1 d2 all americans populate those upperweights but the, just the, the 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 gravy is is 145 and below traditionally in 2011 we've got weight class changes and with it 106 cure the controversy Oh, let's go right to the top with five wrestlers eventually becoming Division I All-Americans. Michael Kemmerer, Matthew Kalonjic, Ryan Milhoff, Luke Pletcher, and Sean Russell. 126, we've got Ashnault, Dance, Rutherford, Randy Cruz. Wow. At 145, All-Americans Lenny Richardson and Solomon Shishko. At 160, we thought we had some can't-miss studs with Chance Marstiller, Cody Ayala, Jordan Spieler, Zach Epperly, Gino Morelli, and Jason Luster placing in the top eight. Ayala was a bad dude, and Marsteller handled him 5 nothing in the final. Marsteller decks Spieler in the semis, and Spieler is a past Greco-Roman world teamer. At 182, South Carolina's T.J. Dudley won, while Matt McCutcheon of PA beat Brooks Clemens of Georgia in a bout that many thought would be the future of, you know, maybe 184 in college. Clemens eventually placed for NAIA Bruton Parker after stops at Air Force, Oklahoma, and ODU. Oh, boy. 2012, NCAA champs met at 106 with Nick Suriano of New Jersey beating Spencer Lee of Pennsylvania. Lee would, of course, win in the finals in 2018. D1 All-Americans Luke Pletcher and Chad Red placed, as did D2 champion Jose Rodriguez of Ohio and NAIA national champion Hayden Lee of Indiana. Suriano, by the way, was a freshman. Lee was an eighth grader. High school teammates met in the finals at 113, where Ryan Milhoff beat Sean Russell in a Collins Hill scrap. Shout out Taylor Heineke. Yeah, he went to Collins Hill, played football at ODU. Has nothing to do with wrestling. Zahid freaking Valencia was third. Who beat Zahid? 
Nick Piccinini, who lost to Russell in the semis. At 120, the weight had two future NCAA champions. One finished third, Daring Cruz, while the other, Seth Gross of Minnesota, sixth. At 132, Dean Heil beat Aaron Pico. Yeah, that happened. Jason Dolph was third. Kyle Snyder beat Thomas Haynes at 220. In 2013, we've got Yanni Naga Daka Yanni Diakmahalas winning 106. Spencer Lee beats Suriano 3 1 at 113. Jack Mueller, future NCAA finalist, reaches the quarterfinals by falling to Lee by Tech and then gets knocked off by one of the Nordstroms in the blood round. I was too lazy to look it up. Luke Pletcher over Mickey Phillippe at 120. Stop me if you've heard that before. Jason Nolf dominated Brock Zackerel at 138 in the finals. Patricio Lugo didn't place, losing to Nolf and Justin Oliver of Michigan. Oliver then beat Miles Amin in a match before the blood round. Oh, by the way, Miles Amin finished fifth in the world last month at 189. His older brother Malik wrestled at 145 in the Super 32 and 143 at the Worlds. San Marino in the house. Malik placed sixth at the Super 32. Yes, he was bigger than Miles then. All-American Zach Zavatsky of PA wins it at 182 over Nikki Hall of New York. Zavatsky beats future Virginia Tech teammate Tom Slay 5-2 in the semifinals. George's Chip Ness kind of cruises through things at uh, 195 pounds. I think he had a Twitter beef back with Lance Bennick earlier that summer. Ian Butterbro from Massachusetts won at 220, majoring Jordan Wood of Pennsylvania. Oddly, they never met in college as Butterbro was a blood round guy for Brown this past season. Uh, Wood did win by forfeit, technically, at the EIWA Championships in 2018-2019. As we get into 2014, we're running into wrestlers who are currently in college. Spencer Lee wins it again at 113, while Yanni D. beats Dayton Fix at 120 in the finals. Yes, another matchup of future NCAA finalists meeting. Oh, wow. Oh, man. That's just wackadoodle. Continuing on. At 145 pounds, Michael Kemmerer tops Max Thompson of Iowa, while Hayden Heidley beats Lugo for third. All-American Caleb Young was seventh at the weight, beating current VMI cadet Neil Richards 4-2. Richards was pretty good in high school. He's in state qualifier twice for VMI. Anyway, All-American Alex Marinelli, 165-pounder for life, was second at 160, losing to Florida's Fox Baldwin. Zaid Valencia, now up at 182, beats Colin Moore of Ohio in the finals 9-4. In 2015, we see Sebastian Rivera beat Pat Glory in an all-New Jersey final at 113. DeSanto was second at 120, falling Joey Silva of Florida. At 145, David Carr of Ohio beats Austin O'Connor of Illinois. Carr recently won a junior world title, while O'Connor is the top returning wrestler at 149 pounds this season for North Carolina. Nikki Renan beat Dakota Gear at 182, while Jordan Wood beat Matt Stencil at 220. Oh, and Adam Busiello won his first high school Super 32, beating Jojo Aragona in the final at 106. In 2016, Buziello wins again, beating Robert Howard of New Jersey at 113. Glory takes the title at 120, topping Colorado's Andrew Alirez, who will make waves two years later when he beats Nick Lee at the Junior World Team Trials in Minnesota. Apparently, Alirez was actually on the radar back then, still under it, if that's possible. Yeah, strange how you can be on the radar, under it, and below it all at the same time. At 126, Silva beats DeSanto for the second year in a row in the finals. At 160, Chris Foca pinned 2019 NCAA champion Mikai Lewis in a minute. That was for fifth place. At 182, Lou Dupre beats Nino Bonacorsi, which is a match that should age well. John Borst of Virginia over Gavin Hoffman of Pennsylvania might also age well, depending on how much Borst continues to eat in Blacksburg. As we continue on to 2017, Colin Schriever, yes, Schriever, beat Richie Figs. That's Richie Figueroa at 106. Buziello wins another Super 32 title. Joey Silva wins the third title. Oh, this time beating someone other than Austin DeSanto. This time it was Jesse Vasquez of California at 132. At 170, Patrick Kennedy of Minnesota beats the aforementioned Chris Folk of New Jersey in the finals. Oh, man, now we've got the girls' division adding to things. And this gets a little nutty as well. 
Olivia Shore of Ohio tops Caitlin Walker, Pennsylvania at 103. Emma Bruntel of Washington beats Kara Brodus of Connecticut at 139. And Jaden Laurent of Wisconsin beats Ashlyn Ortega of Colorado at 148. Moving to 2018, where Steve-O, my life be like, ooh, that song's in my head every time I hear about Steve-O in that video. Yeah, he notched a high school title at 106. Shane Van Ness of New Jersey topped Ryan Jack of Connecticut, 10-6 at 126. Dylan D'Amelio of Ohio topped Bo Bartlett of Wyoming Seminary. Uh, he's from Arizona or Pennsylvania, wherever the heck he's from. He beat him 5-2 in the finals at 132. At 170, Dustin Plot of Oklahoma had a high-scoring affair with Patrick Kennedy, winning 16-12. To the girls, Caitlin Walker gets her revenge on shore, flipping the outcome in the girls' division at 108. Amanda Walker of Wyoming Seminary topped Alexis Zapata of Oregon on criteria because, yes, the Super 32 is down with it. They wrestle the girls' divisions in freestyle. Other hammers to win there were Jersey Estrada at 148 and Kennedy Blades at 160. What's great about this is five years from now, we're going to look back at like the studs from the most recent Super 32 in the high school division. Oh, yeah. Remember back at the Super 32 win? This is why I love the nostalgia factor when looking through brackets, especially from these early years. We've seen these athletes come and go at the high school and college level. This discussion will be great 10 years from now when Dave Barker and Sarah Koenig have the 30th annual. Yeah, guys, we're not that old yet. This means we can be doing this for a load more. What do you guys think? How about it? The numbers are huge, the brackets are a grind, and gone are the days where it's a one-day pulverizer of talent, if you believe talent does exist. To see where this has come from, a meager fundraiser for Eden Moorhead Wrestling to the single best high school tournament regardless of style is a testament to the passion and dedication Dave and Sarah put into this each and every year. It's taken on a life of its own. From a state champ here or there to meetings that involve future NCAA finals, the Super 32 is a success in grassroots wrestling, passion, and support. They do it right, they do it well, and they're very, very good at it. Want to follow this year's Super 32? It's live on Flow Wrestling with action on 28 mats with all sorts of age group divisions, but highlighted by the boys and girls high school divisions. It's part of the Flow Pro subscription. It should be part of your life. The Super 32 starts Friday, October 11th. The most awesome high school wrestling event on the planet. I could probably talk for another hour on this, but uh, maybe next year. I'll go back through and talk about what we didn't talk about on this one. So, for Dave and Sarah, I'm having a good old time. It's the Super 32 Challenge. Ah, can't wait. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is proudly outfitted by Compound Clothing. Shirts, singlets, custom gear orders, everything you need. Call up Cliff and the crew at cmpteamwear.com. Hey, you know what? Did you like the show? You want to hit that subscribe button, matttalkonline.com slash listen. Various different ways to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcatcher of choice. And if you're already subscribed and you already listened and you love the show and you want to support this show and this network, matttalkonline.com slash join the team. Become a team member today. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.